Gibbs, founder of Incandescent Public Relations, publisher of Being Incandescent Business Magazine, and you are host for the Incandescent Entrepreneur Show on the Incandescent Radio Network, the voice of entrepreneurs. Sandler Training is a global training organization based in Baltimore, Maryland. With more than three decades of experience and proven results, Sandler provides sales and management training and consulting services to small and medium-sized businesses, as well as corporate training for the Fortune 1000. Sandler spends more than 92,000 hours teaching its against-the-grain sales principles to these companies. And at its helm is Dave Matson, Sandler's CEO and president, who oversees the organization's more than 225 locations around the globe. Since 1986, he has been a trainer and business consultant for management sales, interpersonal communication, corporate team building, and strategic planning throughout the U.S. and Europe. So welcome to the show, Dave. Thanks, Hope. Thanks for having me. We are, we are so excited to have you here. Now, question number one, tell us a little bit about yourselves. I think sales is a really complicated thing for a lot of people. They know they want to do it. They need to do it. But how do they do it? And, but before we jump into that, tell us about you. How did you get into the sales business? You know, I actually, I had grown up in a, a household of teachers, and I uh, was one of four boys, and the, and the mantra was, you can have anything that you want, you're just going to have to go get it. You know, we just, <laughs> the uh, the age of entitlement certainly didn't uh, didn't exist back then, so we were taught very early to go out and work for it, and I found myself in sales. Um, and I'm not a, a salesperson by nature, so I was actually a client of Sandler back in 1986. I found myself in the back of a, a program watching a Sandler trainer, and I had really gone to Sandler for a couple reasons. One, I thought that salespeople were, were born, and I, and I realized I wasn't one of those people that could start conversations you know, and, and felt pretty okay about being rejected 99% of the time. And so what I did as an introvert, and that's my personality type, is that I really studied product knowledge. And I said, well, if I was going to become an expert in my field, I really need to know my product, and that will outshine all this other stuff that I wasn't born with. And what I come to find out at the time was, you know, product knowledge by itself isn't going to carry you across the finish line. As a matter of fact, I spent most of my time educating my prospects so they could buy from my competitors because I was really good at product knowledge. And so I signed up for a Sandler course, and I realized that sales is communication. And sales is really focusing on our prospect and not your product knowledge, and it can be learned. And, and once I realized that, that salespeople are made, they're not born, then I really became a student of the game, and I really started practicing. And, you know, there's a, me at home, and there's me in front of prospects, and I realized that there could be two separate, you know, types of personalities. And uh, that's how it started, and that was way back in 1986, and it's been a great ride ever since. Oh, a million questions from that, because I'm curious mostly to see how you've evolved as a salesperson over time. But before we get to that, um, we will get to that, and we have eight questions that we asked you for the book, and we'll go over those in our podcast today. But let's go back to something you said a minute ago. What is the goal of sales? And basically, how does it differ from PR, marketing, and advertising? Well, I mean, I think the, obviously the goal of sales is to make sure that you can get yourself in front of a prospect and then have them or, or uncover a need and have them say yes or no to you. I think the goal of sales, you know, oftentimes people take score with, you know, revenue, and, and that's true, and we certainly can keep score based on revenue, but really selling is getting yourself in front of enough suspects so we can figure out who a prospect is 
And then through your art of questioning, ask good questions to see if in fact they have a need for your product and service. And if they don't, then you know you should mutually disqualify yourselves. And if you do, then you go down that sales process. So I think it's really the goal of sales is to have enough activity and behaviors so you put yourself in a position for success. That's a great way to think about it because it's really easy to take the nose so personally. Oh, well, I mean, you know, again, we, I know we get trophies now for participating, but that's not true in sales, <laughs> right? So <laughs> in sales, you know, there's no trophies. It's, you know, you're either you've got the business or you're not. And I think it's entrepreneurs. It's, you know, we're really sensitive because we can take the nose not that they said no to our products and service, but also I think it kind of sneaks into our self-esteem sometimes because we live and breathe as entrepreneurs. Our company are, is our baby, right? It's our family. And so we, we can take it pretty personally for sure. Absolutely. And I think that's something that we're trying to get people to understand and step back from it a little bit. And that leads us to question two. Is this what you think makes people so uncomfortable about doing sales that it's so personal that if you say no to my product that you're saying no to me as a human? Well, I, I think there's a lot of reasons why sales is uncomfortable. I mean, certainly society hasn't put it in the greatest light, right? Unfortunately, I mean, there's a lot of movies out there from Hollywood, and I haven't seen one yet that says, you know, sales is the, the greatest profession of all time. But really, you know, you can control your time and your income, and there's a lot of things that go unsaid. But I think it's been put into a, a negative connotation, almost where if you're unqualified to do anything else in life, sales is that last stop before total unemployment. And, you know, and it's such a shame. So I think you've got a society issue. But I also think growing up, let's, let's face it, what does it take to be successful in sales? Well, you've got to go talk to people. And I grew up in New England, and I knew there was two things that, you know, happened in my family. One of them was when I went out to play, my mom would always say, be home by dinner and don't talk to strangers. And that was always <laughs> embedded. And as a matter of fact, we had a little talk track of what happens if a stranger came up to me. And the second thing is we never talked about money. I never asked my father, so, hey, Dad, how did we do this year? I mean, you know, we have enough money for vacation. How much did that car cost you? Nothing. And so I go into sales, and I'm expected to talk to as many strangers as humanly possible you know, and that goes against all that upbringing of, hey, don't talk to strangers. Only talk to when you're called on. And it also, this concept of equal business stature. I mean, think about how many times we get in front of a potential customer and we put ourselves in a subservient position. And maybe in our own mindset, right? This is a much larger company than mine. How am I going to sell this company? Or I don't have a track record. I don't know if I deserve to be here. And these are little conversations that we have in our mind. And up pops fear, doubt, and worry. And I think, you know, that's we're our own worst enemy sometimes. And we also have to talk about money, which you've been taught not to do. It's not polite. So I think in sales, we're required to do a lot of things that make us uncomfortable. That's the first thing. And I also think that it's difficult to be because we don't know what to do. We don't have a roadmap. And there's no playbook that says this is what you do start to finish in sales that people can easily access. So what happens is we kind of make it up. And how do we make it up? We make it up by loss and failure. And most people don't make it to the other side of that journey, and it's unfortunate. Hmm. But your system helps us get there from here to there. Is that true? 
this Sandler system? Well, I mean, the Sandler system and, and any process, but, you know, specifically, of course, the Sandler process, I think if you follow the process and put your own personality into it and realize that there's no easy fix, you're going to have to put the work into it, but it will give you the roadmap of how to start from wherever you are in that process to the next step. And I do think sales is nothing more than a lot of little steps, you know, it's, <laughs> and that's really what it is. So where am I today and where do I need to go by the end of the call in order for me to decide to progress in that system? And I think that's really what it outlet, you know, we have an outline that just basically says, you know, here's how you can have a conversation with a prospect. Here's how you make sure that they have a need for your product or service. Here's how you talk about decision. Here's how you talk about budget. You know, here's how you engage a committee. And it gives people a lot of tactics and strategies that they can implement with their own personality. Um, I don't I don't think, you know, I'm not a big believer in scripts. I, I have them and we learn them, but I think at the end of the day, people buy from people. and They're going to buy from people who they trust. And it's your job to create that atmosphere. And that's really what we bring to the table. Mm, so interesting. Talk a little bit more about something you mentioned earlier, um, how you measure success in sales. Well, I mean, success in sales, look, with, Sales is a, it's a pretty difficult profession. We fail more than we win. I mean, in professional sports and in, in baseball, we'd be paid, you know, tens of millions of dollars if we were averaging 400. And in sales, we think losing six out of 10 times, we, we look at ourselves as failure. But I do believe as a professional salesperson, as an entrepreneur, you cannot control whether people say yes or no to your product. You can't. And so we think we can by discounting or doing certain things. But at the end of the day, you can only control your own behavior. And so well, what that means is, well, I need to behave in a certain way every single day to ensure my success. Most entrepreneurs, Hope, could not tell you how many new conversations do they need every given week or month in order for them to hit their financial goal. They don't know it. They know the revenue number, but they really don't know how many new conversations. And I can control that. I can't control revenue. I can't control yes or no's, but I can control how many networking meetings I'm going to go to, how many phone calls I'm going to make. There's a lot of things that I can control without holding up my hands in despair and say, I, have, I, I don't know what to do. I love that because it is a lack of control that makes people hate sales. You know, I can't control how these people are going to respond to me, so maybe I don't even want to try. Yeah. Right. And there's always a situation where they can point to that, that that was true, so therefore it's always true, and that's not the yeah. case. And it's so much that we get in our own way. So I, this is why I, we're focusing the entire February issue of the magazine on sales. Our cover story is uh, Lisa McLeod, whose book is Selling with Noble Purpose. And we're also, our book of the month is It's Not What You Sell, It's What You Stand For. Because our core belief system at the Incandescent Group is authenticity and values. So if you can have values and you can be noble, then you should be able to grow a business. I mean, there's lots of other piece, places, pieces to that puzzle. But that's basically the philosophy. So I'm thrilled to have you be part of this as our sales columnist talking about these tactics. So can you outline a few of those? What do salespeople need to do to generate sales? You just mentioned they do, you know, how many sales calls do you need to make? So what, what is the formula that you guys use? Well, I think that you have um, passive 
ways that you can generate leads and you have active ways. I think oftentimes when we're just beginning, we rely too much on the passive, the incoming you know, leads. And, I, and I'm going to get so many referrals because I'm really smart at what I do. But the, unfortunately, that's not true. I mean, there, <laughs> there seems to be you can over-service customers all day long, but if you're not actively looking for referrals, they're not going to be passively calling you. You, you really need to take – so I think so – I have to separate my columns when I'm looking at how to generate sales leads from active to passive. And I think passive, I would consider bluebirds. I mean, they're nice to have, but active, I would say to myself, okay, how am I going to actively control my behaviors, my activities in order to me to get in front of my prospects so I can decide if they're going to be customers. And there's a lot of ways to do it, but I do think if I was going to do a quick formula, Hope, I would say, let's start first with how many new conversations do you need? And that's a magical number that 90% of the entrepreneurial, you know, they don't just don't know it. I mean, what is it? So you need to know that number. Let's just hypothetically say that it was 10 people. I need 10 people who we do. And I know mathematically that would generate enough revenue for, for me to be happy and reach my goals. And then, so the second thing is you'd ask yourself, well, where do those 10 come from? Where would they come from? And so you go back and say, well, maybe it's some of it's social media. Maybe it's some referrals. Maybe it's a, a trade organization. Maybe it's you come up with a list, and maybe there's five to ten ways that you know historically have proven out that you can get in front of new prospects. And I think that's an important thing. We call that a prospecting plan because most people don't realize that there is a methodology for you to get sales leads. And it's not necessarily sitting back waiting for the phone to ring. That doesn't necessarily work. And so I would say, okay, if I need 10, these are my top five to six ways that I can get it. Then I also add one more component, which is to say, let me put a number to that 10. Let me be accountable to myself. And so if I had um, social media, LinkedIn, let's say, and I said, well, out of the 10 that I need, I'm going to say two are going to come from LinkedIn. I'm going to get three from networking. I'm going to get four from referrals. And now what I've done is I've gone from being in a reactive mode to being proactive by saying, those are my lead sources. Here's the number that I've attributed to each lead source, which would add up to this magic number that's going to help me reach my goals. And I can every single day do something in my behavior, in my activity, which would get me to that. And that will help you get over the line from just waiting around to controlling your own destiny. And that's the magic formula. <laughs> you know, and I think that that's something that we never learn in entrepreneur school because nobody goes to entrepreneur school. We just have a great idea and we figure we're going to make it work and we're going to figure it out as we go. Right. So that's really useful. So I, let's ask the question, how do you overcome customer resistance? What's that secret uh, ingredient that you have that maybe you can share with us? Well, I, I think half the time, you know, people are resistant, not because of what you're doing, um, because if they knew how dedicated you were as an entrepreneur and how knowledgeable that you were, they would welcome you with open arms, right? But they don't know that. We're going back to your one of your opening questions, which is, you know, how... <laughs> How come people are uncomfortable doing sales? Well, it's because of the thousands of people that were there before us. And so, you know, everybody knows the, hey, take all the time you want, price goes up, Monday close. And they know the alternate choice. Would you like five or would you like 10 of these? I mean, they know all these things. I mean, 
we, we have to defend ourselves against quote-unquote sales techniques. So how do you overcome resistance? Well, first of all, I think if you want to be treated differently, you should act differently. You are an entrepreneur. You're a CEO, right? You're a leader of your organization. So by default, you have a certain amount of business stature and you should act that way because you're, you know, you go in and you have confidence and conviction in your product or service. What you're really trying to do is to figure out, do they have a need that you may be able to address? And that's what, that's my mission. So I think act differently. Here's how some of the things that I would do. First of all, check your ego at the door. I mean, ego gets us into a lot of trouble. So, you know, don't be arrogant. Go in searching for the truth. Ask questions. You know, I, I think you can hey, listen. Ego has protected us as an entrepreneur for years, and I, and I get that. But leave it in the car. I mean, roll down the window so it can breathe, so you're not going to kill it. But when you go in, you know, I think that business stature that I'm talking about doesn't mean that you have to be arrogant. And I also think that to overcome that, let's look about um, think about a first date, right? It's almost like a, an opening call with a prospect if you think about it. But those first dates, if you think back to whenever that occurred for you, you loved those when you got a chance to participate versus the person sitting across from the dinner table would talk nonstop for two hours. And you were saying to yourself, oh, my gosh, how do I get out of here? So I think if we want to act differently, we need to be different by a couple of things. One, you should listen 70% of the time, right? And let the prospect talk. So you, we have the 70-30 rule. I mean, salespeople should be only talking 30%. They should be listening 70%. And then what that allows the prospect to do is to paint a picture of what their issues are. And automatically you're different because most salespeople show up and throw up product knowledge, right? They'll be, hey, thanks for inviting me in, Hope. Let me tell you how wonderful we are. And all of a sudden, it starts. You can see the prospects roll their eyes. They're like, oh, here we go. And then they're trying to figure out how to end this meeting gracefully. But if we were going in and you were going to do the majority of the talking, because I'm going to ask some compelling questions and we get moving, that's great. But the second real easy tip for entrepreneurs to follow is to go in with an agenda and say, you know, we have 45 minutes together today, Hope. I know we haven't worked together, so I thought maybe we could spend a couple minutes and give each other, you know, high-level backgrounds on our companies. And then typically, I know there's always a couple questions that executives like yourself have of my company, which I'd love to answer, and I have some questions that I'd like to ask of you. And at the end of our 45 minutes, we can determine, hey, have we shared enough information? Is there enough interest for us to go to another meeting? We can talk about the agenda if it fits at the end of this meeting. So I think if I told you up front what to expect – your anxiety level goes down. What normally happens is salespeople show up, make the assumption that the prospect knows what's going to happen, and the prospect's sitting there saying, where's this meeting going? Why are they asking me these questions? You know, when do I get to talk? And all these conversations are going on in their head. But I think if you set a strong agenda up front and have them agree to it, then the anxiety level goes down. And I think if you had a good business conversation – it's great. I mean, think about a doctor. When you walk into a doctor's office for the first time, they don't say, Hope, thanks for coming in. Let me walk you down the hallway and show you all my diplomas. It doesn't, they don't do that. They say, Hope, tell me, why are you here? Where does it hurt? 
I mean, how long has it been a problem? I think that's the secret to gaining credibility with a prospect is through your questions, not through your product knowledge. That's excellent, excellent. So last question for you. What are some sales strategies that we should absolutely avoid at all costs? You've named a few, but could you sum it up? Sure. I, I think that certainly um, talking too much is a sales strategy that we should overcome. I think presenting too early in the process is a strategy that we should overcome. I think making some assumptions on decision-making capabilities and budgets without really asking is a strategy that we should avoid. I think that the fact that they saw you does not mean that they're qualified. I mean, there's a difference between willing and able to purchase your product or service. So I also think that you should avoid dealing with price during a presentation. I think you should deal with all the economics of your product and service during a sales call and not you know, unravel the curtain and show all this value and why they should spend all this money at the very last you know, moment during your presentation. That's a real bad mistake. And most people do that and they'll say, well, what do you think? And the prospect looks down at their watch and says, this is really interesting, but we're out of time. If you would just give this to me in writing, I'll get back to you. And then all, we all know what happens. We're in the chase game. So I think if we were just to kind of check the ego, ask questions, and do the things that we talked about, you'd be 90% better off. That is some excellent advice, Dave. Thank you so much. People can learn way more about what you guys do at www.sandler.com. Do you have just one parting thought before we end? I think at the end of the day, if you could take the confidence and conviction that you had when you started your business and take it in the room with you, by asking great questions, you'll take your business to the next level. Asking great questions. I think that's wonderful. Well, we're going to have to loop back around with you uh, after the book comes out so we can talk some more because I know that a lot of our readers are going to have more questions for you. So uh, we'll look forward to bringing you back to the Incandescent Radio Network. We are talking today to Dave Matson from Sandler Training. He's been at the helm since 1986 and says he was just like us, a customer. And now he's running this amazing company. So we aspire to be more like you. Thank you again, Dave. Thank you, Hope. So that's it for today's Incandescent Entrepreneur Show, where we always ask, what's your story? If you have a good one and would like to be interviewed on the Incandescent Entrepreneur Show, send me an email to hope at hopegibbs.com. Check back every Monday at noon for a new episode of the Incandescent Entrepreneur Show on the Incandescent Radio Network, www.incandescentradio.com. We look forward to talking to you next week. Here's to your incredible, indelible success.